What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast, episode number 20. My name is Jason Hartwell from JK Blades, and I'm here in the studio today with Bubba from Save It Outdoor Survival. All right, y'all. And we got a special guest with us today, and this is his first time on any podcast. Ever. And we like to say that we're popping the podcast cherry, <laughs> but we don't want to get any blood in the water because it's Shark Week. And what a perfect week. We got Sharky himself from Flying Shark Knives with us, Kyle Nelson. What's up, buddy? What's up, everyone? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for being on here with us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I actually didn't even put two and two together that I was doing a, a Shark Week appearance on a Flying Shark Knives podcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. So normally, um, we don't really talk about you know day job kind of stuff we like to focus on what you make <laughs> that's not the case today i gotta know about this helicopter thing dude yeah you had to park your helicopter so you could come talk to us that just seems like the coolest excuse ever like if you can't be on a podcast one week like you know your dog ran away you know there's always excuses but i gotta land my helicopter it don't get no better <laughs> yeah so are you a, yeah it's a it's not a bad uh, bad gig for a day job, that's for sure. I bet. Uh, I uh, I just moved down to uh, the people have been following me for a little while. No, I just moved down to Albuquerque from Washington, so I'm actually working at the uh, the schoolhouse teaching new baby pilots how to fly for the Air Force. Oh, awesome! So you're enlisted in the Air Force? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for your service, sir. I hit the wrong button there. I'm sorry. Hey, no problem. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that's just, that's got to be one of the coolest jobs ever. And I actually just today, while driving here, put two and two together flying shark, helicopter pilot. Duh. So, where yep, did, that's how it all started. So, how did the shark come into that? Has that just been a nickname for you before that or what? No, I, uh, so I grew up in Southern California, uh, before I joined the air force, I was actually a big, uh, surf bum type human. And so when I was looking for a company name, I loved sharks and I loved my job flying and they just came together. Well, you picked a good one. It's definitely catchy. It's unique. Yeah. Like, you know, when you hear that, you're going to remember it. So yeah, that was kind of the goal too. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really big on marketing. So I wanted to pick something that was going to be unique and memorable. Yeah, we've talked about your marketing game on this show before, how you've always got new sticker designs and new T-shirts and new things coming out. How do you come up with all that stuff? Is that all you or you got kind of a team helping you? Or what's up with that, man? Because that seems like it would take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, so that the, the idea behind it actually comes um, from – Growing up in the surf community um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of the surf companies and skate companies were really big on branding and doing, they would take their logo and do it in different styles all the time. And as a kid, I always loved that. You know, I had a thousand different Billabong t-shirts in a bunch of different colors and logo styles. And every time they came out with a new one, I wanted to grab one. So that's kind of what I've modeled my marketing after. Um, it's trying to make it, you know, somewhat collectible fun. Uh, but as far as the art itself, uh, one of the other things I love doing is just finding random artists who have their own style and having them do something. And I love 
just giving them the freedom. So usually when I order a new logo from a dude, I'll hit him up and I'll just say, hey, I like what you do, so do whatever you think a flying shark should look like. <laughs> yeah, you you got some. <laughs> I like them all. Yeah, there's been some cool designs on there. So i got to get on there and order yeah, it's a, a T-shirt for sure. It's been pretty fun, and now I have like – a thousand t-shirts to choose from anytime I need to put a shirt on. So yeah, <laughs> perk, right? So yep. what, I mean, we all know about your handle scales, but tell us a little bit about what you do in your process and all that kind of stuff. What all, what all makes flying shark knives, what it is. Like as far as how I come up with the stuff that, you know, how you got started, all the, all the good stuff, the juicy details. Is it just right. handles that you do or handle scales or is it, you know, are you into actually making the knives at all or what do you do? Um, I have worked on, I, I've never built a knife myself from start to finish. Um, I've done a few collaborations with guys, um, where I've worked on more than just the handle scales part. Um, kind of my way of getting to learn and appreciate how the knife itself, uh, gets built. So I've done some file work on a few, and I've tried my hand a few times at some bevels on some projects, but thankfully I worked with a knife major who could fix all my mistakes and get them uh, <laughs> cleaned up well enough to sell. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually got started in the handle stuff on accident just from collecting. I was collecting custom knives, and I was buying scales to send in to the different uh, to makers, and uh, like I'm sure many knife makers can attest to, I bought way too many handle materials, <laughs> yep. which I think is a addiction that a lot of us have. Yeah, that's easy to do. Yeah. So I was going to just sell some to uh, to one of my buddies, and he actually suggested, he was like, hey, you're actually pretty good at picking out color combos. Why don't you try building some combo scales? And I was like, I don't think anyone does that. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of the point, man. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, it just kind of took off. How long have you been doing it? Um, I started selling in like October-ish of 2018. So two and a half years now. Dang. Awesome. You've come a long way in a short time for sure. Your, yeah. Your scales are now kind of noticed as if you see a knife with your scales, you know. No matter what shape they are, when the knife's done, you know that's sharky scales. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's impressive. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, man, good job. <laughs> Sound like <laughs> uh, one of them guys with the Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna talk about a sponsor right quick. Talk about Phoenix Abrasives. They are the sponsor of this show, and right. we appreciate them very much. And they are your one stop shop for all of your abrasive needs, and you can find them online. <laughs> at www.phoenixabrasives.com slash shop. And they're also on Instagram, Facebook, and MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> I said that so many times by accident now, it's just part of it. Yeah, does that thing even still exist? I don't know. Ah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they got some, you know, some I, good stuff. I think they tried to make a comeback a while ago. I, I saw a thing about how, like, MySpace was trying to come back. But I don't think it, I don't think it caught on. <laughs> I think Mark would probably kick Tom's ass if he tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the little dude's name? Your first friend on MySpace yeah. when you got was Tom. 
I think so, yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> you never could get rid of him? No, no. He was always there. You could unfriend anybody but him. <laughs> I think he designed it. I mean, one. I'm pretty sure he was like 10% of my uh, friends on there. So. <laughs> right, yeah. He was a, a strong number one for everybody. <laughs> so, man, we met down there in the pit in Atlanta, and we had a great time down there. And um, I've heard the story already, but I was so impressed by the story. I want to hear it again. And uh, honestly, I forgot a little bit of it because I heard it in the pit. <laughs> but tell me about this purple jacket deal, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, the purple jacket. Um the purple jacket was an accidental. So a lot of what I've done with my company is very intentional marketing. Uh, the purple jacket was 100% an accident. Uh, I was talking to a couple buddies in a nice themed group chat. And someone made a comment and said that my scales were so fancy that I should be selling them in a tuxedo. And I said, if you think I should be wearing a tuxedo, you definitely don't know me as a person. <laughs> And then one of the other knife makers chipped in and he's like, nah, if Sharky was going to be wearing something, it'd be like one of those velour suits from like the eighties. And then he went and found a picture of the purple jacket and sent it to the group chat and was like, it's, this is more Sharky style, not a tuxedo. And so as a joke, I threw it up on my uh, Instagram story and was like, man, if someone bought me this jacket, I would do all my videos from now on in the purple jacket, thinking that everyone was going to have a good laugh, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, we were going to move on from it. And, of course, a few days later, I get a notification that there's a purple jacket being shipped to my house because someone <laughs> bought it for me to wear in all my videos. <laughs> Joke's on you. Yep. And that's, yep. That's... So, but I promised that I would wear it in the videos if someone got it, so that's what I did. There you go. I have worn it in pretty much every video since then. Yeah, you had it on in the pit that night. <laughs> it's actually yeah, well, so a well-made I, jacket. As soon as I announced that I was coming to Blade Show, um, I had a bunch of people message me and be like, oh, you're going to wear the jacket, right? And I was like, <laughs> I guess so. So I wore it. And I probably had like 15 people come up to me at the show and be like, you know that it's really easy to spot you in that jacket. Can't miss you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the point. Well, that's awesome, man. So, what yeah, are, pretty funny. What do you got going on in your shop right now? You got any big projects or anything you're looking forward to, or is it kind of what? What's the day to day like in your shop? Is it you got orders? You always booked out? You know, how's it roll out? There? Yeah, I see. I stay booked up pretty much all the time. I mean, since I, since I do have a day job, you know, my, uh, my shop time's a little limited and I got two, uh, two kids to take care of too. So, uh, I pretty much am booked 24 seven. Um, and I like to split it about 50, 50 between custom orders and just drop sets. Uh, cause custom orders are great and I love working with customers and, making their dreams come true with whatever they think and for their handle. But when I get too much into the custom orders, it gets a little, a little monotonous at times. Yeah. Uh, so I like to have some drops that keep the creativity flowing and make me not hate my job. <laughs> Every time I look at your stuff, I kind of think, you know, I think about how much time it's got to take just to do it. Number one, just, I mean, just to do it. 
but how much thought's got to go into it and making it all match and making sure it all flows well. And yours always does. And uh, I've got a box in my shop full of drops, of, you know, all kind of beautiful burl woods and stabilized and dyed. And I'm always thinking, like, how can I get something out of all that? And I see your stuff, and I just kind of put the box back on the shelf. I'm like, nope, not trying it. <laughs> can't, can't do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely impressive stuff, man. I'm I'm looking forward to Thanks. teaming up and doing something with you soon. Yeah, we'll definitely have to. Uh, I I think you'll really enjoy this. Uh, I'm working right now on the uh, my July drop, which may actually drop on the first of August. We'll see. I'm still trying to figure out a date, but uh, the copper has been so popular in the night world right now with. Uh, you know, Baker Forge making those beautiful copper billets and a couple other guys mm-hmm. uh, that I decided to do a drop where every set has some sort of copper theme to it, um, which is actually, that's what I was buying at Blade Show. Uh, the, the couple pieces that I bought were all pieces for this upcoming drop. Uh, so I think it's going to be pretty neat. Cool. I bought some copper pins not long ago just because I ran across them and really liked them. And, uh, I got ready to make a knife with them and I drilled my holes, did all the stuff you always do and went to test fit it. And my copper pin fell right through the hole. Yeah. I drilled everything eighth <laughs> inch, which is what I always do. But for some reason, these pins are one bit size below eighth inch. So I haven't got around oh, to using bummer. them quite yet. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think to check. <laughs> I just grabbed it and I'm like, okay, cool. Eighth inch copper, but it's close yeah, enough to where it I looks like it, but it either. yeah, it fell right through the hole all the way. <laughs> So that was a bummer, but oh well. So let's. I change. mean, at least you didn't try to force it. Yeah, that's true. I could have could have broke something if I'd have forced it in there. So ah, that's whoops. a plus. <laughs> so I'm looking at Bubba right now. Don't do that, <laughs> <laughs> Bubba. You got anything you want to <laughs> say to Sharky? I just messaged him. Those things are so sexy. Oh, are y'all talking right now? He, he ain't seen it yet, but I just I just seen him. I was wondering why you sitting over there playing on your phone like a well, twelve year old girl. Because I'm every time we do this and we're talking to somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be trying to know something. Yeah. Well, how's your day been, Bubba? How's your week been? Uh uh-uh. we're talking to Sharky. <laughs> we don't want to talk about my day, my week, my month. We ain't doing that today. I've been with Bubba the past two days, and if he don't want to talk about it, that's okay. No. Bubba's pissed. We ain't doing it. <laughs> We're just not doing it. Bubba's not having it. I'm a guessing good day. you I'm guessing you finally saw the picture that I sent this morning of your scales. Yes. The scales are sexy as shit, dude. And I can't wait. Ah. So yeah, I just saw well, like yeah, you said, I was, uh, Go ahead. I was gonna say I was, I was working on them this uh this morning. I was like, Yeah, that's funny. Working on Bubba's scales and I'm going on a podcast with him this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, man. Where we're working at my property, there's like no cell service for shit. And uh, we've been wide open since, well, I've been there since 7 38 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. I got there at 8 30. He just decided to show up at 9. Well, my bad. I was heating and treating a knife at 6 30 this <laughs> Six morning. 6 in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, but, I was quenching a blade at 6 30 and but, uh, ran we, my first temper cycle. We were working our ass off all day and there's just no service over there. So basically, we hauled ass from there to here. And I was like, oh, I got a message. Who's, oh, uh oh. You know, so. I just saw it. It's beautiful, man. I can't wait to get it in my hands. Yeah, that's not why Bubba's pissed. He yeah. loves your scales. I love the scales. That's not why I'm yeah. mad. <laughs> We've been trying to get this place was, uh, done, and it's just not happening. Okay. But Yeah, we yeah, were that's close. That's been, been a fun set to work on. Yeah, man. I can't tell what all those different – it almost looks like you got 
I don't know, like some kind of rolled metal between everything. It's crazy looking. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to explain it. You know, I'm sitting here looking. And it's like, is that like a piece of plate aluminum or something? What you got going on there? You know what I mean? It's uh, so the the pink wood is a a dyed white oak. Okay. Uh, and then the gray wood is buckeye burl. That's beautiful. Ooh. And then in between, there's a a, a pink fake stone, so a, a fake turquoise. Same same material I use for all the turquoise sets that I do, but this one came in pink, which I thought was super neat. Nice. And then it's uh, black G10 and brass for the accent pieces. That's what it is. Holy shit. Let me see that. Yeah. I'm just trying to show cool. it to you. It's too far away. I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't really care. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I... Uh, I, we're we're not going to tell anyone because I've got a very official process for how people get on my custom books, and uh, Bubba may have jumped jumped that process a little bit. But when I heard that someone wanted a set made out of pink, I couldn't resist because no one ever lets me work with pink. Hey man, my so, wife loves it. I can't wait to see it, dude. I'm telling you, I'm looking at them now. I've I've always been a huge fan of Buckeye anyway, but this thing kind of looks like uh, I don't know, like it could be jewelry or something it's with beautiful. that color combination yeah. like that is pretty i couldn't tell what the middle was yeah. the g10 and the uh brass there that that uh pink yeah. stuff well, in the center the, looks like ice in, cream <laughs> in that uh in that picture it's all obviously unpolished that was my mock-up before i actually glued everything up yeah so the uh the, the brass tends to look not so brassy until you polish it up a little yeah bit. yeah well i'm guessing those are coming to my shop when they get to town yeah all right, Sharky, I ain't never worked with no sapphire. What did you say that was, turquoise? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a faux turquoise. What, so what, is, what's it actually made out of? Like, is it still it, a it's stone? Just, it's a resin. So that's, that's okay, true stone, gotcha. which is the most most common faux stone. Um, and it's it's just a resin, uh, a resin-based material. It's actually wonderful to work with. Yeah. I, I know a lot of guys are a little hesitant to use it, but... It cuts easy. It, it actually polishes easier than stabilized wood most of the time. Usually I get a mirror polish on that stone well before the rest of the wood starts cooperating. So it's a nice material to work with. Cool. Well, I'm excited to check it out. Now you're going to get it to work with it. Oh, I know. <laughs> better break out that checkbook. Shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll work something out. I'm fitting to have to give you one of my kids or my truck or something. I know, right? Ah! Building up that tab. <laughs> Do something. I had, I had Bubba's See, that's ass why working today. That's why it's best to work in the handle materials game, because anytime I need to get a custom knife, everyone needs handle materials. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, that'd be a, a very fair trade-off there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to You got anything in mind? I know we're going to talk about it, you know, off the off the air, but you got anything in mind that you're looking forward to build that maybe we could use on a, a collaboration project? Oh, I have all kinds of stuff I've been looking forward to uh, using. Cool. I uh, I just got a whole set of uh, resins in from uh, Beyond Wood Products with some copper in them, which would be really cool to work with. Uh, and then my buddy, uh, not Phoenix Braces, Phoenix Handles, Phoenix Materials. I'm sorry, I am terrible with company names. That's probably like my one of my biggest Achilles heels in the night board was I can only ever remember part of everyone's company name. Well, just JK Blades. I, I know it's it's easy. Some people. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Phoenix materials, I think is his company name, but he just made me a really cool set of, uh, hex and resin, uh, uh, scales. So it'll be 
really need to get to play with. Cool. So it's Phoenix Materials, not Phoenix Abrasives. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's a he's a handle. Wood. He does wood stabilization scales and uh, some resin pouring and hybrid stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was when we were at Blade walking around. I was you know just checking everybody out. We were in that little side room, you know, not the main hall, but the, the small room next door. And I glanced up, and I saw this big thing that said what I thought it said J.K. Blades. And I was like, this son of a bitch. No, he didn't. Like I got almost mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because before I picked my company name, I researched, and there's a few other companies out there called JK Blades. One of them makes windshield wiper blades, and the other one makes <laughs> uh, the the ice skating uh, blades for the ice skis or ice skates, I guess. Okay. But no knife companies. I saw that. I was like, no way. But it was JK Designs, and all they make is carrying cases for those butterfly flipper knives. So I was like, oh, yeah, I don't I'm think good. that's the same market. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get I, some of I your scales, it, man, because I got me a new grinder and it has upped my game tremendously. I'm able to do things now that I just have not been able to pull off before. And this is another you one. You got of those, a, uh, uh, a broadback, right? I did. This is another one of those sponsorship shout outs right here. Mr. <laughs> ah. And, uh, yeah, I'm proudly, along with the show, sponsored by Broadbeck Ironworks. And I'm telling you, man, the things that I'm able to do with this grinder on handle material and shaping and contouring and sculpting, is I feel like my game has increased by five years' worth of experience in two weeks. I mean, it's just, it That's completely awesome. changes everything. I can tell now from when you bring the knives over to me that they're different. Yeah. I mean, I can feel them. My yeah. wife can tell, you know, and... She could give a shit less about my knives. She's happy that I make knives and I enjoy my, you know, what I do and get to make a living out of my hobby. But she has seen so many knives; they all look the same to her now. <laughs> but now she's at the yeah, point. Yeah, I think my wife like, can oh, agree oh my with God. that. You know, she looks at them and she's impressed now. But I mean, without that grinder, I'd I'd be five years ago still. So, thank you, Broadbeck. And That's it, awesome. And uh, by the way, if you are interested in anything from Broadbeck Ironworks or Phoenix Abrasives, you can use the promo code HUSTLE10, and it's the same code for both places, and get 10% off all abrasives, all your total orders, all grinders, and all attachments. So, yeah, use that promo code and get yourself hooked up. (laughs) You just like touching buttons. I know, man. They put too many buttons in front of me. But that's all right. I'm I'm starting to... Know what they do now, so that's a help. We started out here. I was turning on TVs, to, turning uh, off the lights. I tried to schmooze with the uh, Broadback guys and we were at Blade Show, but I don't think I'm quite a quite famous enough for that yet. Dude, I didn't know who they were. I was like, we was chilling with them talking shit, but we're nowhere near as famous as you. Yeah, <laughs> like we were just all down there in the pit and hanging out. That's where I met them. Yeah, and um, we just got to chit chatting and talked and talked and talked. And I made the comment, uh, someone else had, had offered to sponsor this podcast, and they wanted our numbers to be super high. I mean, I'm talking like they wanted 20,000 listeners per episode. And we were like four episodes in, you know what I mean? <laughs> like nobody even knows we're a podcast yet. And so they backed out, and I was kind of telling Ryan that story a little bit. And it got, you know, one thing led to another, and he's like, oh, that's not a sponsorship. Then I figured out who he was. I was like, okay, so what is a sponsorship? 
And we ended that conversation almost immediately because we were in the pit and we both knew that's no place for business deals. Yeah. So we exchanged numbers and talked later on in the week and we came up with a deal that worked for everybody and it worked out great. But yeah, that's, that's where we met uh, the Broadbeck boys. Ryan and Matt and uh, – not Matt, uh, Vince and Ben. It's also where we met Sharky. Who's that? That uh, is also where you met me. That's also where I met them. Yeah, <laughs> I think that all happened at the same time too. It was pretty close. Yeah, actually, I think you're right because they was they they were all hanging around with the cooler. That's, yep, Kyle's yeah, I cooler. I mean, I did I did get a free beer out of the conversation. Yes, so no oh, complaints yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, that's the same Kyle reason Bailey. why we were there. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was rolling a cooler around, and mine was just about on E. I was like, "Where's Kyle Daly? I know he's got some beers around here. <laughs> he's got the right beer. Everybody else was pulling out those weird IPA Turtle Cove something or other. It was like, man, I, no. And that bullshit, you got a stick of chunk of fruit in. Or yeah, something. No, sir. No, thank you. Uh, beer should never taste like chocolate. <laughs> Ever. Are you doing Blade Show West? That's closer to you. Are you going to be out there? I am working on it. I, I just moved to a new desk job at work. So I've got a flying job and a desk job, which is yay. Um, so I got to kind of feel, get a feel for what's going on first, but I'm hoping to get out to Blade Show because I actually got family out in California. So I'd be able to go to check it out and uh, see my family at the same time. So fingers crossed, I'm hoping to get out to West. And that's in Long Beach, right? Yeah, it's in Long Beach this year. Okay. Yeah, I know they moved it from Oregon. They just didn't have the space up there, but uh, yeah. And actually, I up until this year, I lived in Washington. So you would have thought I could have made the voyage all the way down to what, like six hours to Portland, but <laughs> I never actually went when I was in Portland. Where are you at now? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wow! Oh, you're not on fire, are you? Nope, not as far as I know. <laughs> Well, I was watching the news the other day, and they were talking about uh, all the fires going through Arizona and New Mexico. It's a big place. Uh, yeah, I think I think most of the fires are over on the other side of the state where there's, like, plants and stuff to catch on fire. <laughs> where I live is really just sad. In the high desert? You can't burn that. Yeah, we had uh, Kim Mitchell on here, the Bladed Broad, and um, she's in Arizona. Our globe, I think, is the name of her town. And she told us that she could see the fires. You know, they were right there in her town. And when she told oh, me, no yeah, when she told me that, I was thinking the first thing that popped in my head was how is the desert burned? You know, because I'm thinking it's just sand. But apparently, there's some flammable dirt out there somewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's a different part of the desert than where I'm at. Because where I'm at is exactly what you're talking about. It's mostly just sand. There's some tumbleweeds, but I don't think there's <laughs> enough to sustain a fire here. Yeah, that's intense, man, when you see it on the news. And I saw they were they were talking about one particular fire. And they said that they hope to have it contained, not even put out, but freaking contained by November. The hell? That is intense. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine that. No. Nah. Yeah, when I grew up in Southern California, we had the the wild, you know, the California catches on fire every year, pretty much. Yeah, we always had those wildfires come through, and they they were. I mean, I I still remember the first year that I can remember them coming through. I was in middle school, I think, or maybe really early high school, 
And I remember hearing on the news that there was a fire nearby. And then I remember later that day, it started getting a little smoky. And then by the late afternoon, it was like raining ash. And then like an hour later, we were up on the top of the little hill we lived at and saw the fire come up over the next set of hills. Holy shit. It was like, oh, all right. It's time to start thinking about maybe getting some evacuation going. Yeah. Did you have to evacuate? Uh, I think that year we started evacuating and then shortly before they started making it mandatory, the winds changed directions and it turned, turned away from us. So I don't think we ended up evacuating that year, but I know my parents have had to evacuate a couple of times. That's crazy. I could imagine that. It seems like every, I do remember, I, I do remember going up to my girlfriend's house though at the time and Standing on the roof with a uh, garden hose, hosing the house down like that was going to do something. <laughs> nice, but man, high school Kyle thought he was such a badass. Hell yeah, especially your girlfriend's house. <laughs> Don't worry about this, Dad. I got this. Yeah, flexing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, to, I, was, I was there to protect. Got to show off a little bit. Yeah. I'm about to say it's always wet down yeah, here. Yeah. We my like ninety pounds of white beater. That was me on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> California is like a little miniature Australia. Like it seems like everything there wants to kill you. There's fires, there's earthquakes, there's mudslides, there's people. Anything you touch is going to give you cancer. Yeah. According to that proposition 65 warning. So I don't want to go to California. I'm glad you liked it there. I would like to hear the stories, but I don't ever want to go there. Plus it's too far. I like Georgia. Yeah, that's where y'all are out out of Georgia. Yeah, we're only about an hour and a half uh, well, south. According to Bubba, he's two hours. I'm hour and a half away because of the way I drive <laughs> south of Blade Show. <laughs> we're a hundred and something miles south of Atlanta. Yeah, I, uh, so that was that was a rough trip for you guys. It was horrible. Hour and a half. I yeah. hate Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I left my house about eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty, and uh, went about halfway. Stopped for breakfast and. We were getting our tickets at like ten. <laughs> well, I mean, we were like already parked inside the building, ready to go. So that's one of the newfound yeah. perks of Middle Georgia area. We're close to Blade, but nothing else. <laughs> that's it. Just ball sweaty heat. That's all we get around here. Just miserable. Yeah, yeah. we definitely got to experience that. Our humidity is not something that we do out here in the desert. So that was a fun. Discovery here in Blade Show. Oh, oh yeah, nothing cool about that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> nothing. And it's just getting worse, dude. Yeah. Since then, it's gotten yeah. The end of July and August is like murder, death, kill out here with that kind of crap. Yeah, they call yeah. it the dog days of summer. <laughs> the dog days. This is it. We're getting into it now. You walk outside, doesn't matter. You ain't got to do nothing. Just stand there, and you're sh- you're wet, boring. You're just wet. Yeah. I was in a building. Yeah, when we had a blade show, I got out of the shower and I just never dried off because yep. by the time I dried the shower water off, I was already sweating. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. That's normal. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to keep a, a good supply of baby powder with you. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> Some crotch cream. Yeah. That helps with the jungle rot and the swamp crotch. Yep. And buy shoes that breathe. Yeah. Mesh tops for sure. Yep. Or Crocs. Crocs are life. I do like the Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and uh, cell phone service also is terrible in middle Georgia. <laughs> I was supposed to be on a podcast last night, and that didn't work out because I couldn't connect to the internet. And that's just where I live. 
Yeah, in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was going to be on with Ben from a Work for It podcast, and we did the Squadcaster thing, got all connected, and I could see him just fine, but his my audio was coming in spotty to him. He said, "Well, I'm hooked up to the desktop, and I've got this." Something, another booster, booster, and you know I should have powerful signal because I've got this and that. I was like, dude, I'm on a cell phone in the swamp. I'm pretty sure it's my end. <laughs> I had to walk up the hill and around the other side of my shop because the cicadas and the bullfrogs were so loud. He could hear them over me. Damn frogs do get loud. <laughs> so what, what's your plan, yeah, uh... Sharky, for the future of your business? Are you planning on... Stay in right where you're at, or how big are you going to blow this thing up? I see it going worldwide. <laughs> you know, we're going to have like a section for flying shark scales in Walmart. You know, it's going to be like on the hobby aisle, but it's going to be in one of those glass cases, like with the <laughs> with the key with the razors <laughs> oh. to where when you open it, the alarm goes off. You nice. know what I mean? And yeah. it's still in the little yeah like security box. Yeah, that's my vision for flying shark scales. What do you think? <laughs> You know, as much as I would love to go worldwide, I think I'm probably uh, pretty settled into where we're going to be for a little while. Uh, I am contractually obligated to the Air Force for the next two years, so I'm not going anywhere on my day job. Right. Uh, and my wife and I are pretty focused on raising some good little mini humans. That's so good. that's good. Uh, it's uh, it's going to stay as a stay as a little side hustle. Uh, my my goal is always just to try and keep uh, up in the ante on my skill level. So I I think the skill the scales will get a little fancier uh, as as I go and learn some new tips and tricks. But other than that, unless I can uh, find an employee who really wants to come stand a bunch of crap, uh, I don't I don't think we're going to up our production numbers very much. <laughs> so what about after retirement? Is there any any kind of ideas or thoughts about taking it into a full-time deal? Um, probably not. So I, I think my optimum, like it one, once I'm done with the, uh, one, with the military life and, uh, trying to settle down a little bit, what, what I'd really like to do is do kind of like a part-time job and a part-time flying shark knives. Because I think for me, part of the fun of it is that it's, it's like a mental escape for me a little bit, you know, like it's, it's my fun time. And if, if it turned into a full-time job, I think I would lose some of that fun and it would start to feel like work. Mm. So I, I kind of like, kind of like keeping it as a part-time thing, but I'd love to get to a point where I get to spend a little more time each week on it. So maybe right after the military, I get a do a part-time something else that lets me spend a little more serious time in the shop. It definitely does end up feeling like work. Get Absolutely your does. Part-time job at a place that you can really use the discount, like Lowe's, Home Depot. There you go. Something like <laughs> there that. you go. Walmart greeter. You know, just, <laughs> you know, something like that. How old are you, Kyle? I am 32. 32. So are you going to re-enlist after these two years, or is this it for you? I have no idea. I know. <laughs> I think... My wife probably asked me that question about once a month, and uh, I don't think I've come up with a good answer yet. I think on about half the days, uh, I'm all for finishing out my 20 years in the military, and on about half the days, I'm ready to get out that day. So, oh, okay. I got I got the solution for this problem right here. <laughs> 
I, I got you figured out, Sharky. I already know. Okay, here's here's the question you have to ask yourself. Do you feel lucky? No, no. This is serious. Yeah. All right, when you're deciding, do I want to retire or not, here's the one question (laughs) that you have to ask yourself. If I do retire, will they still let me fly the helicopter? (laughs) (laughs) It's that easy. Yeah, I think at that point they uh, they'll probably take away my uh, my wings. See, gotta gotta keep going in, bastards. How many how many (laughs) years you got in? I uh, just passed the ten year point in uh, May. Oh, okay. Awesome. I was about to say I didn't know if you were uh, got in at eighteen because I was about to say, dude, you ain't got but six more years and you can get that check for life, bro. Dude, my little brother went in at seventeen. Now, I, uh, because my, he, uh, my first four years don't count. Why? Uh, because I was going to military college. So ah, gotcha. I don't count that. The pilot officer. Yeah. My uh, my little brother went in at seventeen in the basic because he had his eighteenth birthday while he was there, so he was eighteen when he graduated. Mm-hmm. And he's coming up. Let's see, I'm thirty eight. He's thirty six. Mm-hmm. So he's like two years from twenty year retirement. I if I had to screwed up when I did, and they would have taken me, I'd be retiring this month. Yeah, I'd, I'd have my twenty plus years in. This month. That's crazy. Damn it, we're getting old. <laughs> I'm, yeah, right? I'm sitting here thinking about my little brother is fixing to retire yeah. with 20 years from the military. Yep. And I'm like, is somebody going to buy a knife so I can pay him a lot bill? <laughs> <laughs> well, your little brother's probably prettier, too. Hell yeah, six foot three. Oh, yeah. Some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up. I grew out. <laughs> hey. But oh well. yeah, you should see some of these uh, some of these young kids that I'm teaching to fly these days. They make me feel real old. Oh, I bet, dude. I bet. Hell, like me... little little twenty one year old kids, and uh, I was flying with one of the students the other day, and I mentioned uh, Waterworld, and he <laughs> had no idea what I was talking about. You should have opened the door and threw him out, right? I know. I was like, this is your homework for the weekend. You go get yourself just fly some way to watch Waterworld and come back and tell me how awesome Kevin Costner was. Hell yeah. You got to go fly him over the ocean after that. <laughs> so I figure yeah. it out. Yeah. So what do y'all do when you fly around? You just like cruising or like you got, uh, like you picking up stuff with a, with like logs or something. Like what's your helicopter? You'd probably have to kill you if you told you. No. So not if he's flying. The, uh, the helicopter that I fly is a utility helicopter. So depending on where you go, it does all different kinds of stuff. So my when I graduated from pilot training, I moved up to North Dakota, and for three years up there, I flew security for the uh, nuclear missiles that we got up in North Dakota. Fancy. Mm. Um, and a few other places. Uh, so I was a nuclear security pilot for a little while and then I left there and I went to, uh, Washington and for four and a half years there, I did a lot of, uh, search and rescue type stuff and worked for the air force survival school, teaching people how to get rescued if they ever get lost in the woods. And now I'm down here teaching students how to fly. So when you get out, be it retire or get out cause you're tired of, tired of it. You're going to write your resume, and they're going to look at you and be like, hey, man, you want a part-time job at Lowe's, but 
You're a nuclear security pilot. You teach survival <laughs> training for the United States Air Force. They're like, sir. You seem a little overqualified. Overqualified. <laughs> we just want somebody to stock yeah. the tools in the back of Lowe's. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah, that's probably true, but that's you know, a hell of a day. Give me a little break, right? That's a badass resume, man. Yeah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And dead silence. But, you know, on, on most days, I still think the knife making is a little bit more fun. So Knife making is freaking awesome, dude. I'm looking forward to getting home today just so I can get in my shop because Bubba kept me out of it all day. And that way I can get dirty. Like, I'm filthy now because... <laughs> I've been doing construction work all day, you know, which sucks, but like, that's just regular sawdust. Like I need some metal dust and, you know, maybe like some stabilized wood fumes in my ear holes or something. It's just a different feeling. Nah, it is. Nah, it is. Awesome. And it's just, it's so cool. Once you're done getting to see, like hold something in your hand that you made yourself and be like, yeah, I made this. This is me. Dude. I know that's the coolest feeling ever. And Bubba come by my shop yesterday, and I don't know if you saw the picture I put up of that knife on the watermelon. Um, yeah. The, the big chef's knife. That was sitting in the shop. And I said, Bubba, look, while you're here, you want to hold this? <laughs> <laughs> I was just so proud of it. You know, and I'm proud of all of them nowadays, and each one keeps getting better and better. But I was so proud of him. I'm like, Bubba, hold it. And it's, yeah, the thing's a beast. I, what's it for? Cutting watermelons and butchering cows. Whatever I, you want feels amazing. I love it. It's so cool. It's just an eight-inch chef's knife. It's just got a different shape to it. Yeah. And the heel is two and a quarter, where normally it'd be around two. So it's about a quarter of an inch taller at the heel. Other than that, it's just kind of a sweeping tip chef's knife. Well, when you put it in your hand, it feels like you want to cut somebody. I mean, something. Yeah. Like, it just wants to go that way. <laughs> it's got a hell of a balance to it. I mean, it's perfect, dude. It is so cool. So... And that's available on JK yeah, Blades my, on Instagram. So <laughs> if you're curious what we're talking about, go over there, there and go. buy it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And then they will get to feel the power of the knife in their hand. <laughs> that's right. See, it's a transfer of power. That's it. So, yeah, I mean, my, my sales have like <laughs> gone away over the last month or so. I don't know what's happening here. What are you doing? Uh, you know, the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I think it's just the summer vacation time frame because I, I've seen a lot of my knife maker buddies who have been you know struggling a little bit with the sales. I think just because everyone's traveling and vacationing. I, mean, I seem to remember this happening last year, but it seems like every year we get back around to this time period and we kind of forget that it happened the year before. Well, see, like for me, it seems like last summer I was like almost to the point of being overwhelmed. You know, I was so booked out. Well, was that when you were doing the steak knives was last summer? Yeah, probably. So, so. you had like five people order a set. You know what I mean? So you had like. Yeah, I made like a hundred and something steak knives over the last summer. See, that's what it was. You only had five orders, but. Yeah, rub it in. Ten, ten <laughs> knives per order. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. But I mean, I got to the point where, you know, last, last summer I wasn't full time. Yeah. And I was having to take time off my day job. Just to catch up on orders, which was a, a great thing. Now I'm full time knife maker, and I'm like, shit, nobody's buying knives. Uh, <laughs> guess I'm gonna go do some, <laughs> run some flooring today. Now then I call you, I'm like, bruh, yeah, let's go for real. 
But I'm there when you come. Hey, take a minute and tell everybody how awesome I am. Why? Because I deserve it. You deserve it? Hell yeah. But we're family. I don't, shouldn't have to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, world. He is awesome. He is the greatest. He is the most wonderful friend and brother that a man could ever hope for. The great and powerful Jason Hartwell from J.K. Blaze. That was a little sarcastic, but it'll do. Will that work? You uh, feel better now? Do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sharky. I, I do apologize for my, for my little brother over here. <laughs> we get a little carried away here and there. What do you want to talk I about? I mean, that's the best way to live life is a little bit carried away, I think. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dude, we have all day. To, I mean, we work together at the same place all day. And we <laughs> spent just as much time laughing as we did Work. We didn't never stop working. We were just cutting up. We had a good time until we saw that damn toilet. Yeah, that was a pisser. It was a great day. Like we That's definitely the way it should be. Yeah. Busted ass, work good. We're on a good pace. We're not getting everything done, but got a shit ton done. And happy about it, you know? That's how you should spend life. Yep. Yeah, every day on the top side of the dirt is a good day. Yeah. That's what I always tell myself. You know that old saying everything every day is six feet above ground's better than six feet under? I ain't never not once been six feet above ground. I got a step stool in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Sharky, you are, ain't you though? No, he ain't at all. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I think I, I just barely reached that six, six foot mark. Yeah, I thought he he's taller than us. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought we was round about the same. Nah, he was taller than us. I remember walking up to him like, "Damn it!" Yeah. Well, me and you's both just a hair over five ten. Yeah. Well, I got my boots on today. I'm five eleven. Ah, oh, shit! Rocking the Nikes. <laughs> Right there. I'm going to inch down from you. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to share a quote with the world today. You ready for this? Oh, Sharky, you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So He's ready. I'm going to start doing an inspirational quote. Why? Every every show. For we'll why? Start doing one. Because I want to. All right. And it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, um, Y'all buckle up. Now, Bubba's heard this already because this was mentioned in the lost episode. <laughs> the one that we recorded and just... Went away. Yeah. So this is my quote for the day. You have never once heard a crackhead say, I'm not going to smoke crack today because I don't have any money. <laughs> they always find a way. Are you going to be out hustled by a crackhead today? <laughs> Facts. You know, it's not, not the first time that I've heard that one, but it never gets old. It's just such a great motivational quote. It is. Yeah. I mean, a crackhead is always high on something, and ain't none of it free. Hell. So they're they're hustling. Yeah, they're doing something somewhere. Don't let a crackhead out-hustle you today, people. <laughs> Go out there and get it, no matter what. That's the truth. Yeah. So another thing that we talked about on our lost episode forever. I was so pissed about that. That was a great episode. We did so good. It was one of them with just me and Bubba, and it just came out great. And, you know, I guess an 89-hour episode is just a little too much to look. Somebody forgot to hit stop. I know it. But So, I can't miss another one, though. All the damn text messages and stuff you're getting from other people. Hey, if you can't make it again, give me a holler. I'd love to be on there. Dude, I get on constantly. Y'all sons of bitches back off, all right? <laughs> Daddy's here. Go away. He's talking to you, Pickle. He was with me when you texted me today. <laughs> You and B-Cone. Yeah. Uh, B-Cone got a uh, 
He got the vaccine shot yesterday. He, I heard it didn't he do him so real, well. He got sick from it, dude. I don't do that shit. I ain't never. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I ain't getting vaccinated. No, I bet he is. They, they made you do it in the military, didn't they, Flying Sharky? They have not yet. I'm sure they will eventually, though. They uh, still make me go inhale a flu shot through my nose once a year. Yeah, see, see, I'm DOD. I work uh, civilian contractor. Not even, not contract, contractor, but I'm civil service. And not too long ago, they had a bunch of paperwork going around talking about the mandatory uh, vaccinations and whatnot. And civil service still wasn't mandatory, but it was saying DOD and active was. So I haven't seen if that's gone through or not yet. I quit, dude. Nope, not yet. We uh, ours are still voluntary. Gotcha. There's no way. I I just my own personal opinion is every other vaccine I've ever heard of takes years and years and years, ten years, fifteen years to, to go through the trials and the testing and make sure that it's legit. They came out with this thing in like five three and a half months. Weeks. Like I'm no hell no. Well, grow a tail or an ear off your forehead or something. You know, it's just not for me. And personally, knock on wood, because this is just me, and I know I'm an exception to the rule. And so for anybody listening that don't agree, I'm sorry, this is my own opinion. I do not even know anybody that knows anybody that actually got the coronavirus throughout this whole period. So there's no way I'm going to go get a shot when it's not even in our area as far as what I've seen personally. It's just not here. But anyway, that's enough. Yeah. Damn on talk. That. Well, I hope B. Cone feels better. You're still not better than me. <laughs> Cone, you ought to see the look on his face right now. Like, he's staring a hole through the wall with his eyes, like, not taking my chair again, Brian. I had, I had to, like, get into the, you know, scene. It's funny because th- that day, Tommy's the one who came and recorded with me. Now, I like Tommy, though. Tommy's awesome, dude. You got to be. Well, so you didn't tell me, Tommy. You told me I might be calling B. Cone. I was like, that. Mother. I said that because the time before that, he was like, no, I'll be there. Fuck B. Cone. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and you showed up that day. <laughs> nope. I know you had other things to do. But uh, yeah, I actually talked to Brian later on that night after me and Tommy had recorded. And I was like, yeah, man, I, we recorded today. And, you know, Tommy Matthews was on there with me. Bubby, Bubba couldn't make it. And he was like, oh, man, you should have called me. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time. I think this is the dude you need on here next time. Oh, Sharky. Oh, Sharky's your new fill-in if you can't make yeah. it. You down, Sharky? Always. Hell yeah. Because nobody's cooler than this flying shark, man. Uh, we got to check his schedule, though. Well, he might be in his helicopter. Dude, does your cell phone <laughs> work in your helicopter? Yes. Yes, it does. What? A podcast we- from 10,000 feet in the air. Oh, I would definitely lose my job if I did that. Oh, <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, like, how cool no. would that be? Like, we're just chit-chatting, and all of a sudden it's like, roger that, coming in on the runway. Or y'all don't need runways. <laughs> However it is, y'all talk. That'd be cool hearing some, you know, walkie-talkie helicopter talk. Yeah, we, we're technically not supposed to use our phones. So the FAA says that pilots aren't supposed to be on their phones anytime below 10,000 feet, which that's just, I don't fly above 10,000 feet because I'm in a helicopter. That's all the time for me. Um, so technically, we're never supposed to be on our phones. But also, my helicopter was built in 1969. Um, so it's not the most technologically updated aircraft in the world. <laughs> yeah. So generally speaking, if I need to find some information on like the weather, 
my helicopter is not going to help me out nearly as much as just Googling the weather <laughs> radar and yeah. looking at that. So, so sometimes how, we got to make some exceptions to the FAA and, you know, do what we got to do. So how fast does your helicopter go? Uh, we fly around at 90 knots, which depending on the day is a little over 100 miles an hour. Nice cruising speed. So not, not that much faster than the freeway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but up in the air. With the yeah, do- I just get to skip all the roads and stuff. Yeah, with the doors open too, right? Obviously, you got some doors open. Wind, oh yeah, wind blowing through oh, your yeah. hair. Aviators, I'm sure. Yeah, windows windows down, doors open. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hey, here's a dumb question: Have you ever seen? Now that you're teaching the young bucks, you ever seen someone who wanted to fly a helicopter? Well, let me back up. When you go to helicopter school, does the does the military put you there and they say, okay, you're going to be a good pilot, so we want you to train for this, or did they choose that that position if they're qualified? Uh, it's, a little, it's a little of both. So all, all of the Air Force pilots start going by going through the same school, and then depending on how well you do uh, in the first flight school, then it's kind of like the backwards version of picking a dodgeball team. You, you, they, you put – your order of preferences, like I want to fly this, this, or this. And then the people who are ranked, the top pilots, they get their first choices. And then they go down the line a little bit. So if you're kind of in the middle, you might get your second or third choice. And if you're one of the worst pilots, you get whatever's left. Okay. (laughs) Well, here's my question. Have you ever seen a pilot that wanted to be a pilot and turns out they're scared of heights? Yes. Like they just get up there and they're like, oh shit, nope, not for me. Land it now. <laughs> Actually, I 100%. So when I first got to pilot training, so we, all of the, all the people who are going to become pilots graduate from college around the same time, right? You all graduate right before the beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. But they obviously can't start teaching all of us to fly at the same time because the Air Force makes like several thousand pilots a year or something like that. Um, two, 2000 somewhere in there, I think maybe. Um, so we can't all start at the same time. So you move down to your new base and then it's kind of like a, a you know, a tiered system where, you know, a couple guys start in each month. Right. Well, while you wait, they give you random stuff to do, like sometimes manual labor. So while I was waiting to become a pilot, I was working, on a base in Texas and the guy who was working with me did exactly what you were just describing. He wanted to be a pilot, wanted to be a pilot, went through all the stuff to be a pilot and he got in the plane and did his first flight and freaked out and landed and he quit pilot training right there. I'm done. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it, like, a, it was pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, cause when you're a pilot, I'm not in the military, never have been. But it seems like that is such a, like an elite type job. You know, there's not like a bunch of them. I guess there is, you know, nationwide or whatever. But if you're a pilot, you're one of the few. And anybody can be a, a whatever, you know, a military cop. But if you want to be a pilot and you go through the school and you actually get to it, like you've made it, and then you're like, nope. <laughs> It, that just seems so anti-productive, and you know, I kind of feel bad for the dude. Like, he should be allowed to move after that. That way, no one recognizes <laughs> him. <again. laughs> 
station yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they reassigned him to some other non-flying job and did all that. But, I mean, there's also, I want to say that like 15%-ish of all people who try to become uh, Air Force pilots don't make it all the way through training. That's wow. crazy. So there's a, there's a decent chunk of guys who, who try, even, you know, they've made it through all the physicals and all the stuff leading up to it, and they just can't grasp the piloting part of things and get cut out. Dude, what about those, uh, what do they call them, the airborne, the, the para-jumpers in the Army and stuff? That Like, they want to be oh. that, they've seen it on TV, and all of a sudden they open the back of that plane and just chunk their ass out the door? <laughs> I hope they don't find out there. They're scared. They won't have a choice, right? right? They're gone, dude. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I, I think most of those jobs. I mean, like for jobs like that, those those special operators and that kind of stuff. I mean, they they wash out like fifty percent of the people who try to do those kind of jobs. So I think usually the ones who aren't going to be quite ready for it are washed out before they get to the throwing them out of the plane. <laughs> Yeah, but I I actually know one of those airborne jumper guys, and he is uh he's a friend of mine and yours, Bubba, and he is a certi- he's in his fifties now. I'm talking about still certified badass. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he's still like he's in his fifties. He looks thirty two. He's got biceps the size of my head. I mean, it's it's impressive the mindset that he's kept up with from being you know in the military in that position. Bubba's looking right. You don't know who I'm talking about right now, do you? Oh, no, I got you. Oh, okay. My bad. The camera distracted me. Oh. Who am I talking about? Joe. G.I. Joe. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> His real name is Joe, and he's still known as G.I. Joe. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't have any of that, uh, what you call, physical uh, in-shapedness. <laughs> <laughs> we chunk it. Yeah, not for me. I mean, I'm in shape. But, but round. Yeah, round is a shape. <laughs> It's Round right. is a shape. That is yeah. true. Yeah. So it has been one hell of a day today. <laughs> yeah. And Sharky, man, we appreciate you coming on here with this thing with us. It has been yep. a ton of fun. And we can keep going. I appreciate you guys having me. Y'all want to keep going? I didn't realize we just blew through an hour already. I, I just looked and it's an hour. So I was like, oh, shit. Because normally, like I told you, Sharky, it'd be about an hour. So, you know, I'll give you that option. If you're ready to be done, we can kick it. But if y'all want to keep on chatting, we can go, go on, whatever. Uh, I probably got a few more minutes, not too much longer, but I got a few more minutes. Well, is there anything you want to tell the viewers or listeners or whatever? You have the world's attention right now. All seven of them. You have the world by the short and curlies. What do you want to say, Ooh, Shark? man. There are four people listening are to we, you right Are now. we we talking like Sharky getting up on a soapbox? Go ahead, man. Yeah, it's all dude, yours. It's yours. I'll mute the mics. <laughs> the world is your oyster. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I, I probably don't have too much soapboxing to do. I, I think that uh, one of the biggest things that I would want to pass on to people uh, as far as lessons that I have learned the hard way in this in this little mini business world, small business world, um, is, is the, almost exactly what I just said. You've got to learn lessons the hard way. And I think one of the most frustrating things that I see in the knife world today is watching guys who have some success 
they do a few things good right when they're first starting their company and people start getting into it and they get excited about it. And then something goes wrong. They break a couple blades or they go through a couple months where no one's, no one's buying any knives. And then they put up that story, the Instagram story or the Instagram post. Well, I think I'm done. I, I gave it a run, but I just don't think this works for me. No one's bought a knife from me for two months, and, you know, I think I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably one of the most frustrating things for me is watching people who just don't don't give it time to take their lumps. Because I think anyone who's been around the knife-making world for more than, more than a year or so will tell you that, like, at some point, stuff's going to fall apart for you a little bit. Like, it may happen right at the beginning or it may happen after a few months or it may happen after a year, but I'm sure you guys have experienced it too. Where you got through a period where stuff just kind of sucked for a minute, yep. but I feel like that's an important part of growing. And there's a lot of guys out there that I feel like are not are struggling with understanding that. Dude, I'm five years in and I'm, I'm at one of those rough patches right now. I've made for my skill level and my, you know, for where I'm at, I've made a very fair amount of money making knives. And recently I have not made a whole bunch of money making knives because the orders have just fallen off. It happens. But as far as hanging it up because I ain't got an order. Nah, this ain't a job for me. This ain't a, I mean, right now it's how I make my money. So it is my job, but it's not an option. It's an obsession. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you you got to be passionate about it. Yeah. And if you'd want to hang yeah. it up, like you're talking about, Sharky, if you just want to hang it up because ain't nobody bought a knife, then then you're not a knife maker. You're a, a fake-ass businessman who thought he could do something and failed. When the going gets tough. I mean, tough. that's as simple as that. Like, you're a fake. The tough a real going. knife maker makes a knife because you can't not make a knife. Yep. It's in your freaking blood at that point. I don't care if if I never sold another knife from this point forward through the rest of my whole life. If I never sold another one, I'd go get me a job. I'd go to <laughs> Walmart. I'd, I'd go to Walmart if I had to. You know, I'd do whatever. I'd go get a job. I got to feed my family. I got to pay my bills. But I bet you, by the time I died, somebody's going to inherit several thousand badass knives. Because I'm not stopping. It's not about the money, you know. And I see what you're saying, Sharky. Uh, you know, they give up because didn't quite work out right. But I feel like that's what separates a knife maker or just a maker in general, you know, a leather worker, uh, you know, a scale maker. You know, we're all three different types of people here making different things. But the shit that separates us is how bad you want to do it. Not because it pays the bills, but because it's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, when you can look at it and it's done and you're like, shit, I made that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And you look back to when you started and it was just a, a piece of steel or, you know, a, a side of a cow, Bubba, for you. Just half a chunk of cow laying there and mm. it turns into some badass sheets. Or, Sharky, you know, you got 50 different little small chunks of wood and brass and turquoise and all these different things, you know, mammoth tusk, all this stuff laying everywhere. Just looks like a pile of mess, right? And then you get done with it, and you're like, holy shit, I did that. And you're proud of it. That's what makes a maker a maker. 
Anything less yeah, is a fake ass businessman. We said this was his soapbox, but you just. My bad. That just pissed me off for some reason. <laughs> Bro, you over here like shaking it. I know, dude. Like that got me fired I'm wait, up. I'm waiting on you to jump on the table or something. <laughs> so I'm going to punch you in the mouth. Sit back down. Well, I mean, personally, I have not seen that. I understand what you're saying, Chark, but I have not personally seen somebody quit like that. So I guess I just wasn't. I'm sure it happens all the time. I'm sure it does, but I all the time. I ain't seen it. So when you said that, I'm like, "Bitch, ain't no knife. You ain't gonna quit if you're a maker. If it's in your blood, you don't just stop. You just don't." Yeah, I think. I mean, (laughs) for me, you know, I for for a lot of the knife makers, most of your customers are you know random people, right? But for me, all my customers are knife makers for the most part, right? I, I get a few random people here and there yeah. who buy them and send them to a knife maker. But, uh, you know, most of the people that I interact with on Instagram are knife makers. And, you know, I, I won't ever judge anyone who just decides that knife making isn't for them and moves on. But mm. there's definitely some people that I see who, like, you know, it's one of, like every few months it's, they put a post up, like, threatening that they're going to quit. I'm like, you know what? Either figure it out or just quit already. Like, yeah. I'm tired of reading about this. I get it, it's hard. Like owning your own business is tough. We don't need to whine about it every couple months. Yeah. I think yeah. I took my I took my first real lumps probably. It took me almost until about like a year and a half in before because uh, when I first started making scales, are there if there were other people making segmented scales and selling them, I didn't see them. Uh, you know, obviously there were some makers making segmented scales for their own knives, but uh, I didn't, I didn't really see a lot of other people making them and selling them. And I started making and selling my scales. And then uh, about a year and a half in, I started, there uh, started popping up a pretty decent amount of competition. Uh, and right about the time when I started realizing I had a few competitors who were, you know, pretty close to maybe even exceeding a little bit my skill level at the time. Right about then, I took a huge dip in sales. And things were kind of just like stalling out. I had this big client I had been working for at the time who decided to go another direction. And it was definitely like a struggle time for me because I was like, oh, like, have I wasted all this time setting this company up? And what am I going to do with all this wood that's in my garage that I haven't sold yet? Like when my company falls apart, like I'm going to be screwed. And it took me a little bit to just to get my feedback under me and be like, no, I can be better than these people. Like I just need to up my game a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of funny because you can actually go back on my Instagram and you can actually see where that happened because there's like two scale drops right before it that are just like, eh, scales and then like the next drop after it is where i kind of started hitting like my current style of things that seems to be working out pretty well and like there's like a distinct line in my instagram between (laughs) when i was just kind of cruising when i finally like lit the fire under my own ass and was like it's time to get to work because otherwise these guys are gonna pass me yeah you were comfortable now you got challenged yeah (laughs) Mm Hmm. yep that's definitely what it was i like that shit though yeah well, let me take a step back uh, yeah, and kind of rebuttal my previous rant just a little bit. No, you're done. No, I got to go back. No, you don't. Just because of what Sharky just said, I got to go back now. Fine. Just for a second. Okay, so if somebody tries to be a knife maker and then they decide this ain't for me, I do understand that if they decide they don't like the craft. 
Because I've heard the stories of people, you know, selling off knife equipment because they bought all this shit and decided they didn't like doing it that much. Then that's fine. But if you blame it on the money, that means you got into it for the wrong reason. And that's when you suck. I see what you're going there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got you. Bubba's pissed today. Like you guys should. So this should be on a video. I'm excited to be here at the podcast. I'm not happy in general, but I'm I'm excited to be here. He's sitting back. He's giving me the stink eye. He's picking fingernails. I'm covered in fucking paint. Like he's he's like digging the shit out from under his nails, glaring at me like. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I like you, you son of a bitch. I don't even want to be here right now. I'd rather be at the house. I got shit to do. <laughs> and a toilet about to fall through a fucking floor. Well, it's going to fall through whether you're sitting on it or not. <laughs> so mad about that. Yeah, well, it happened. But I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to talk with Sharky and you. Yeah, and me. You've been talking to my ass two days. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, let's wrap this thing up. I know we all got other things Dude, to do Dude, thank you today. so much for being here, Yeah, this Sharky. has been fun, man. I really appreciate you being on here with us. Glad we could pop your cherry. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, got to keep the blood out of the water. It's Shark Week. It is Shark Week. That is freaking cool how that lined up. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me. I've been saying for a long time that I wanted to uh, wanted to be on a podcast and see what that was like, and this was, uh, this was a great time. I really appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You've got an open invite. If there comes a point where you got something new going on, or something that you know changes in your business, and you just want to announce it, and you want to go the podcast route. Hit Holla. Us up. Yeah, open invite, dude. So just keep that in mind. Sounds in good. I really appreciate it. All right, cool, man. Well, my name is Jason Hartwell, JK Blades. Find me on there. Buy some stuff, Bubba. Who are you, Bubba? On Save It Outdoor Survival on every form of social media, except MySpace, and yeah. He's on TikTok, though. He is at the Leather Butt Shaking Pimp Daddy 84. <laughs> no TikTok. <laughs> Save it outdoor survival on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Shark Man, where you at? Uh, I am Flying Shark Knives on Instagram and Facebook, and someone convinced me that you shouldn't have knives in your title when you do TikTok, so I'm Flying Shark Scales on TikTok. There so. we go. Nice. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in with us. And until next week, keep on hustling and keep on grinding. All right, y'all. See ya.